But what will your conclusion be? The words of my school teacher rang out as she surveyed my rambling attempts to write a sto- short story. And when I reread the story, I realized just how disjointed it was, and there was really no way I could possibly bring it to a satisfactory conclusion. But there are no inconsistencies in the story of Jesus. He was our king. His story was in existence before the beginning of time. His story is evident for all to see throughout creation. The patriarchs, prophets, the psalmists spoke of him. Angels rejoiced at his birth, and during his time here on earth, he taught of the love and wisdom of his Father God and of his heavenly kingdom. But today, and during Holy Week, we shall be considering the conclusion of Jesus' life here on earth, the fulfillment of all that has gone before, of how Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, how Jesus brought love and reconciliation into our world through his death and resurrection, and how God's great and mighty plan continues as a new story in the lives of you and me through his Holy Spirit, because Jesus is alive. And today, Palm Sunday, all that has gone before begins to make sense. The fatherhood of God as he led the Jews through the desert to their promised land. His intentions that all mankind would come to know him through his chosen people. And even when his people turned away from him, how the prophets foresaw God's redemption through the coming Messiah. Already many had come to recognize he was truly the longed-for, hoped-for Messiah, the King of Heaven. And now was the time to proclaim his kingship openly for all to see as he rode humbly on a donkey into the city of Jerusalem. He didn't need a mighty steed with great pomp or with ceremony. That's what earthly kings would use to proclaim their grandeur and their power. But Jesus' majesty is proclaimed through self-sacrifice, love, service, and humility. And that's why he rode on a humble beast of burden, a donkey. Zechariah the prophet foresaw this. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus never uses forceful coercion in his kingdom. But although he rules through love and service, he is a mighty king before whom one day all powers and authorities will kneel. I wonder how Jesus felt as he mounted the donkey. It must have been a very bittersweet experience. He knew that this journey was the journey of the condemned where all the fury of the powers of darkness would be unleashed against him as sinful men falsely accused him and screamed for his execution. 
And yet here he was, surrounded by joyful, cheering crowds, excitedly cutting branches from the trees to wave as they laid their cloaks on the road. They welcomed their king, their savior, their mighty redeemer, the Messiah, into their midst. When will they understand, Jesus must have thought. He had repeatedly told the disciples of his coming death, but in their excitement, were they hoping there was going to be another way, another conclusion to this story? Maybe Jesus had changed his mind. Perhaps hope against hope he wasn't going to die after all. And they all joined in with the celebrations. Among the crowd were those who had been healed or who had seen other miracles. And they too praised God when they saw Jesus. And Jesus must have thought, are they praising me for the things I have done? Or are they praising me for who I am? Do they truly know, do they truly understand why I came to live amongst them? Are they praising me as an earthly saviour? Or do they know I am the king of heaven who has come to save their souls? And he traveled on down, down towards Jerusalem and down towards his suffering. Now Passover is a time of great joy when Jews remember through God's almighty act how he rescued them from bondage in Egypt. So on this particular day, great crowds were also marching into Jerusalem. And they used to sing processional songs and psalms. And on this occasion, they were either singing or chanting from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal celebrations. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Peace on earth and glory in the highest. And suddenly they saw Jesus. The timing was perfect. And some of them would have realized just then that the words they were singing were being, were referring to their Messiah. And here he was amongst them. I will give thanks for that you answered me, they continued with added fervor. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, yes, our Messiah has come. The excitement was palpable. He's here, he's here. And Jesus must have thought, yes, yes. But do they know how much I have to suffer first? Do they know I have to offer myself up to die in order to bring them salvation? This man must be stopped, said the Pharisees. Teacher, tell your disciples to keep quiet. How dare they sing and shout these words about you? If they keep quiet, even the stones would cry out, said Jesus. And with heaviness of heart, he grieved at the Pharisees' hardness of hearts and their refusal to acknowledge who he was. 
but nothing was going to stop all of creation from praising him. And he continued down, down to the beautiful city of Jerusalem. When he saw the city, his heart was broken. If only you had known, if only you had understood this day, I, your Messiah, have come to bring you peace. But now it is too late. Your hearts are hardened and you shall no longer see or understand who I am. It is hidden from your eyes. O Jerusalem, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and, and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And Jesus wept and wept. Upon reaching Jerusalem, he entered the temple area. And what an offensive, irreligious sight he saw. The outer courts, designated as a place of prayer for any foreign believer, had been desecrated and was now being used as a place to sell animals for sacrifice. And money changers were lining their pockets by charging inflated exchange rates. At the dedication of the temple that Solomon built, he declared, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, when he comes and prays towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, and do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you. And where could the Gentiles pray now? Amongst the stalls, animals making noises all around them, money changes, exchange of demanding unfair rates of exchange. How could these people deny the rights of those seeking God to come into his presence? And a deep rage rose within Jesus. Get out, get out, he roared as he overturned the tables. My house will be a house of prayer you have made it a den of robbers. And from then on, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people looked for a way to kill Jesus. So where do we fit in with this story? Are we like the first disciples who we know Jesus as our Messiah, we know him as our nearest and dearest friend, And we celebrate his kingship as those first disciples did, truly praising him for his glory. And this is wonderful as we praise him with all our hearts and minds and soul and strength. And we know Jesus as one who guides us through life. But when he calls us to do something difficult, do we sometimes wish there was another way, a simpler way? Are we willing to follow Jesus even when life seems to take us into dark and difficult places? Praise God, it's often in these dark places that we come, become truly and fully aware of the depths of Jesus' mighty love for us.
Maybe some are like the people in the story who praise Jesus because of the miracles he performed, but not because he knew them, they knew him as his, not because you know him as your savior. There may be some here who follow Jesus because he did so many wonderful things. But you've not yet had the opportunity to welcome him into your life so that you can know him as your personal savior and experience the immensity of his love. And if that is you, please pray with someone after the service and you will know the unimaginable joy that only Jesus can give. I hope there are many, (coughs) excuse me, I hope there are many here who are as excited as great throngs were as Jesus traveled down to Jerusalem. The king is here, the king is here, and yes, Jesus is truly in our midst now. But when Jesus saw Jerusalem, he wept. And when Jesus looks at our land, he weeps. As the Jews, excuse me, as the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah, Many in our land reject the divinity of Jesus, our King. His name has become a swear word. Secularists actually oppose his name. And our comfortable society see no need for a saviour. Hedonists look the other way in case their sins are exposed. Jesus cries and weeps. And we cry out and weep for the lost in our land. And pray for that day when this nation will one day turn back to him before it is too late. And what about Jesus' righteous anger in the temple? Do we too cry out for justice for the downtrodden in our land who get ground further and further into poverty while the rich get richer? Do we make sure we are not like the money changers who denied access to those who are seeking the kingdom of God? Do we ever make it difficult for anyone to enter the kingdom because we consider them to be not good enough and not meeting our exacting standards of our morality? And may God forgive us if we are ever tempted to be like that. Where do you stand in the story of Jesus, our King? The story continues throughout this week in the Last Supper when Jesus invites us to come and dine with him and remember him as we break bread and drink wine together. It continues as we remember Jesus' selfless sacrifice as he offered himself up to die on the cross. He died for our sins, rending the curtain in two, making it possible for those who believe in him to actually enter the Holy of Holies. The story continues because Jesus rose from the dead, defeating Satan's plan to silence him forever. And the story continues because Jesus is alive and comes to live within us through his Holy Spirit. Come and hear and join in with the story of Jesus this week. Come and listen and learn 
and become part of the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus, our Messiah, Jesus, our glorious Saviour, the story of Jesus, our King.